minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to December. Welcome to minus three. Bet along with us, fanduel.com slash minus three. The word minus the number three is how you do that. And follow all the fun on social media at minus three pod and play along with Cousin Sal and the rest of the gang. At the Extra Points Network, go to extrapoints.com, find the arcade tab, compete against us with us together as one NFL pick them up coming week 13. College football, bowl season is just about here. And uh, pop culture quiz, all the rest of it, prizes available to you. Like I say, championship weekend is upon us. NFL week 13, baseball in 22 in limbo, home stretch for the Heisman. Bowl season, like I say, who'll be playing in the games that settle the national championship? That's yet to be determined. We'll know, I think, by Saturday night. Almost certainly Georgia's in, even with a loss to Bama. Georgia giving six and a half against Moby Nick, a.k.a. Bama. Michigan's in with a win. They're giving ten and a half to Iowa. Since he's probably in, they're laying ten and a half against Houston. Oklahoma State needs to beat Baylor to have a shot at it. They're giving four and a half. Pitt and Wake. No final four implications, but should be a dandy of a ball game if you like a lot of points. Pitt's giving three and a half total on that one, 71 and a half. I can't imagine that's anywhere close to enough there. Connor McDavid put on a show for Kid Crosby and company on Wednesday night. Hope you caught that. And let's jump into all of it. We're about to give you our picks. Eddie Spaghetti there behind the glass and our main man by way of New England. Wait, I always get confused. Is it your, you... We're Bahamas, and you're in L.A. by way of New England, or how's that go? It's Kevin Hench is what I'm getting at. I I start in New England uh, at Cooley Dickinson Hospital in Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, Then uh, I'm driven across the country uh, at, at one and a half to Hayward, California for a cup of coffee. I didn't know about this chapter. Yeah. Then from 2 to 11 in St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands. I'm sorry. And then and then back to New England for middle school, high school and college. I want to do a deep dive, but we're right in the thick of it with the football and everything else. But when we have leaner sports, uh, a leaner sports calendar, I really want to hear the the life of growing up, how weird that must be. I always marvel at growing up, a kid who grows up in Vegas. I think it's funny that there's probably, almost certainly, in fact, that there's like an 82-year-old man who is born and raised and has spent his entire life in Seattle and his name's Eric. That seems like... Seems like Seattle probably came into existence around like 1968 or something. It's hard to imagine, but well, Kevin Hench growing up. The, in the big crazy thing up to that point is like when you hear Jimi Hendrix is from Seattle. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. You're like, no way. They Seattle hadn't been founded. How could he be from Seattle? Um, That's exactly my point. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll leave this as the the deep tease. Uh, for the, the memoir, but Rastafarians were essentially allowed to sell pot to kids. That's basically, that's basically the world I grew up in. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. No, that's, that's fun for a, for an adolescent. I very, imagine. Very, very libertarian. 
Speaking of fun, go back and listen to, I mean, I know we have a fair amount of Pittsburgh Steelers fans here, dark times for uh, the black and gold. Maybe uh, you'll get a little boost from listening to Joey Mulinaro chop it up. He does his Nick Saban for us, awoke Saban at that. Chris Collinsworth in the upside down AFC North putting a happy face on the Steelers from a Bengals point of view. Good times with Mulinaro. Go back and listen to that. But Hench, you're feeling awfully good right now, and it makes the rest of Sports America sick because you're a Patriots fan. Do you agree with me as we jump into a number of very important issues here that the winner of the Monday night game in Buffalo becomes the favorite? I don't know if nominally a fan duel will have them as the favorite, assuming Baltimore beats Pittsburgh, but... To my eye, whoever wins that head-to-head is the best team in the conference. How say you? Uh, I agree. I, uh, you know, I'm. I mean, I picked the Chiefs to be in the year, and now that they're rounding back into form, you know, uh, you know, it's actually. I think a lot of it will be determined by where those games are played. So, you know, uh, Patriots or Bills would have a better chance hosting the Chiefs than going into Arrowhead. Uh, and 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 winning that game, um, it did occur to me, and I, I think in the early days of this season, I did say no playoffs for you for your Steelers, if if I'm remembering correctly. I feel the Bears I feel like that might be that might be right. The Bears were the 46 defense. I think the Steelers are the 41 defense, right? Because they give up 41 points every week. Is that? Am I, I don't know, Spaghetti, am I right on that? Is I, got, I gotta 40, go. All right. Is it you two have fun. Every you two week? have fun. Nailed have it. Conversation. Yeah. Have Nailed it. Weekend. Guys, we're using the 41 defense. I, can, can I just say this? What does that uh, mean? To be, it, to, it's not Doug Plank. What's the four? Oh, that's how many points we give up every week. Um, so done? I am done. By the way, can I just say one thing about that to agree with you? Not to, not to contradict you, in fact, to support it. There's a lot of talk, too much in, uh, in this reporter's book that um, about the Steeler way and all of that, as it turns out, it matters who puts the helmet on the yeah. town. The motivational speeches, the Newt Rockney stuff has no place in the 21st century. Rah, rah, platitudes and all that really don't impact. And I've talked to any number of pro football players about that, but some of those pro football players who, you know, believe that the standard is the standard and all that, are now denouncing these Steelers as a reminder for what it's worth. 41 is an interesting number to bring up. And like these guys don't play Steeler football. That's what the Patriots hung on the Steelers in January of 2005 in the AFC title game. Some of those same guys saying that about the current Steelers had four. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals in week 12 are not the equivalent of the New England Patriots on their way to another Super Bowl title. But let's settle down, everybody. Let's settle down. Stephen A. Smith with his stuff he takes to the airwaves to announce at a time when there are a lot of different ways you can point the finger at what is an American embarrassment to say that the, that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a national disgrace. Really? <laughs> They're at, at, at worst 41st on the list of embarrassments going right now in our country. But yes, the, the Steelers are what ails us. The everybody. Steeler way is, um, is this is ends in the end zone for the other team. It's this way to the end zone. Um, but that's, you know, I mean, obviously your consternation is a source of delight for all of us. But the thing that's really delighting me from last weekend's games was 
there was a moment, I mean, many moments, I assume, where Cam Newton and Mac Jones were splitting reps in the preseason and Belichick was watching these throws and had a decision to make. And, you know, and now when when Cam delivered that five for 21 two pick effort last Sunday while while Mac is is delivering another flawless performance in victory for the Patriots. You're like, talk about vindication. Oh my God, did did he call that right? But my favorite part of that that Cam Newton performance was when he said in his press conference, always a, always a delight, the Cam Newton presser, um, he said, hey, hey, you know, just because you have Cam Newton on the roster doesn't, doesn't mean you're going to win the game. It's like, yeah, this, this is like <laughs> saying, yeah, just because you have tuberculosis doesn't mean you're going to feel great. Yeah, no, it's you're the part, your part that you, there's a reason we got blown out today is you're fucking terrible. You can't throw a spiral. You don't know where the ball's going. Five, five for 21 in the modern NFL in a non monsoon. I mean, he's putting up Ryan Leaf in the rain in Arrowhead numbers. Like this, this is shocking. How do you go five for 21? in today's NFL where you're not allowed to touch the receivers anyway, but it's like, Hey, well, at least, at least though, at least I said three weeks ago when he signed, if he has a real magical run here and takes his team into the playoffs and maybe wins a game that then this will cinch his, uh, his gold jacket for Canton. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so this is good. Uh, Damashek's uh, red hot right now. Perhaps so, you should fade me on some of these things well, right now. I do want to talk about with the Patriots though. One thing we're going to get to here is because that Beatles documentary that's out now, I, f- I finally consumed the first episode. And my goodness, it's just it's just heaven to sit there and watch. And it feels timeless. It's, it's weird to think this is 52, 53 years ago. And it makes me think that it's the most enduring dynasty in society of the last hundred years. I want to dig in on that. I think the Patriots of the 21st century have to get some consideration for that. Before we do all that, though, let's tend to some business here and give you our best bets in college and championship weekend. Shall we do it that way? Is that good to run through some of these title games here? How does everybody want to do it? Okay, let's let's do that. It's a monumental one, like we say... um, much hash yet to be settled here. Let's start with, I guess, the biggest one of them all, Georgia, laying the six and a half. First of all, I'm right that if Bama wins, Georgia still goes, right? Of course. Okay, so that's a lock, which then vexes me because I do not want Alabama in this thing. It's enough already, everybody. I, I, it really is going to make me sick if Bama, who barely beat LSU and barely beat Auburn and barely beat Florida, somehow still gets to play for the national championship when any close call for any other team on the on the planet Earth is denigrated for, for daring to play a close game. Somehow Bama, but then again, if they beat Georgia, who's been dominant all year, I suppose they still deserve a place there. Hench, how say you? Minus well, six and a half Bulldogs look, versus the Tide. It, it, if you watched Alabama against Arkansas and then watched Alabama against Auburn, they're flawed. They're hugely flawed. And they are moving way up in class. They are going to get smoked by Georgia. And obviously, the last thing Georgia wants is it, 
the opportunity to bury this team, I don't think is going to be missed by by Kirby Smart. Like they're gonna they're gonna they're better they're better they're they're better physically. Like they're gonna I think they're gonna dominate them. And I I you know and so the the wicked witch will be dead for one year. It'll be nice, right? I think they're gonna well, cover, they're I- gonna cover that number. And uh, and we can all breathe a sigh of relief. And Saban can go do another Affleck commercial and make more money off the free labor of his players. I hope that that they do not just beat them. I hope they they beat them, you know, and, and beat them by three touchdowns and end this jive about Bama still having a place in that. But the other consideration is that the Heisman race, if you you find it compelling, and certainly you should uh, you should bet it, but the odds on favorite right now on FanDuel is Bryce Young. If Georgia gets him the way they have everybody else, I don't know how Bryce Young then gets the Heisman, and now it's wide open. If Aiden Hutchinson takes care of business with, with Michigan against Iowa, spoiler alert, I don't think they're going to. If... That then I, I don't know if it's Kenny Pickett, the Stroud benefit from not playing that that the the best result is not putting anything new on tape because if Kenny Pickett doesn't have a great day, but if he I, he's in play, there's a lot of talk about the defensive players now getting in there. People seem to have completely forgotten about Kenneth Walker. I'm taking Georgia spaghetti. Your pick on this game. Dave, I'm uh, the first time I think in the college football season, I 100% agree with you that Alabama does not deserve to be in the conversation. Uh, if they win this game, it'll be miserable because they're going to get in. But I, I don't think there's a shot. I think Kirby Smart is going to play the smackdown on Nick Saban. We're going to see angry Saban after this game. Georgia is not a flawed team. Every other team in this kind of conversation for the playoff is a flawed team. Alabama, their defense is not what it used to be. Like, yeah, they have their guys that are going to go to the NFL, but they don't have the full you know, usual capacity of what it is really outside of Bryce Young, uh, who is going to be awesome. I mean, he's awesome as it is right now as a sophomore next year, he's going to be even better. Uh, this guy, like, he, you know, he's had eyes on him since he was in uh, modern day high school. So he's, he's the truth. But outside of that, I mean, Jonathan Davis in the middle for Georgia, the run game, people thought maybe with uh, Stetson Bennett coming in for an injured JT Daniels, there'd be a drop off there. There hasn't been like Georgia's the well-coached team. They're good at every level. Like they should win this game by, I, I think I could see a three score uh, win by Georgia. By the way, cut the, jive about the nose tackle davis winning the heisman that's not going to happen so stop muddying the waters with not that you did spaghetti but I, this is now a late push too that's not going to score a touchdown okay great listen kenny pickett i have to advocate and i don't care if people call me a homer or not the way i keep telling it is if i were the quarterback of alabama me and the and the Crimson Tide would be a top 25 team. There would be some drop off from Bryce Young to Damashek, but we would still probably maybe have taken three losses over the course of the season. If you put, I don't know what Bryce Young would do on Pitt, but do you think that that's anything more than a seven and five team in Pittsburgh without Kenny Pickett? I know it's most outstanding player, not most valuable player, but that should come into play, right? I mean, the, there's a factory afoot and whoever you plug in in these juggernaut teams is going to be productive, whether it's at Ohio State or Bama or Oklahoma. This is anomalous. Doesn't that have to matter for something that the quarterback, hmm, what's what's the difference there? Why is Pitt suddenly winning double digit wins? Doesn't that have to factor into your vote? Maybe not, but seems like it should. It feels like uh, the the Heisman voters 
you know how when you would watch the Winter Olympics, which hopefully everyone will boycott this year till the tennis player surfaces, um, the you watch the Winter Olympics and you're like, hey, uh, that wasn't great. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the judges know she's supposed to win. And so they watch her in warmups and prat like it's like the fix is kind of in. I feel like, of course, this is the entire problem with college football is, like, is well, self-validation. Yeah. Preseason polls have way they, they influence what you think. And people refuse to acknowledge that that's, of course, what that what what's going on here is that Alabama was supposed to be great. Clemson had to lose multiple games before people were like, hmm, you know what? Maybe they're not a top 10 team this year. <laughs> Can I just right. say one thing to because okay. to, uh, about Bryce Young and Dave, the drop off, just to put a little bit of respect on Bryce Young's name. He was the number two. He's a five-star recruit, number two in the nation, number one dual threat QB, and the number one recruit of California. So there would be a significant drop-off between Bryce Young and then Dave, a quarterback, just saying. All right. Significant, but not out of the top a little 25. Hurtful. Um, it's a little hurtful. Now, look. Just being so, honest. So Marcus Freeman is the coach of Notre Dame, right? I mean, it, he's he's coaching them now, and he'll get the job regard right that that's going to happen okay so what we what we all really want spaghetti more than others but is for marcus freeman to raise the national championship trophy would be the it'd be the greatest moment in college football uh the moron who could be doing this just went to go be uh four and eight at lsu like the sec is going to be a fucking killing machine uh, in perpetuity, look at the teams that are coming into the SEC. Like uh, once Kirby Smart and Nick Saban uh, and 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 Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A and M, once they've all visited the mom to recruit, like wh- why would you want to put yourself like Notre Dame is such a distinct. You have such you can get Notre Dame guys to play at Notre Dame, and now you want to go compete with those guys in that conference? Why? Why? I'm, I'm so excited for his misery. It's going to be great. Well, as I said to, to Cousin Sal and Marty Weiss on Extra Points on Wednesday, and I say to you now is that the analogy for me is Barry Bonds, that the ego gets in the way of these things. Barry Bonds was already in the Hall of Fame by the time he started taking the spike and uh, inflating himself, but it, he didn't like that Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were perceived to have jumped past him on some level in, in a limited window that those guys were getting more attention than he was. And so he had to put himself back in the headlines. That's exactly what it feels like. It's not good enough that you're in oh, close I, to I, I perennial you. national title contention at Notre Dame. Yeah, but he's he's got a much easier path to it with LSU. Like, how much easier? <laughs> how much closer is he to it with Notre Dame, who gets to set their own schedule? And by the way, if things break right, they could be in there. And I want to say, too, that I was thinking about it all through the day a couple of days ago. I was thinking, wonder if Notre Dame might get dinged in the same way the Bearcats did in college basketball when Kenya Martin broke his leg on the eve of the of the March Madness tournament that year. And so they dropped him from a one seed to a two seed. And now that sounds like what the committee's going to do. But I wonder if Notre Dame having all their ducks in a row and all those guys saying like, 
we're not going to Baton Rouge with you, you old fool, you, you, you old <laughs> egotistical weirdo. We're staying here in South Bend. I wonder if that makes them change their mind a little bit. What if Iowa beats Michigan and Baylor beats Oak State? Is there then, do they say, we like this story now? Oh, we, they we, have to. Are you I'm, kidding? I, oh I think I'm, I, I'm rooting for it too now. Look. I think what this is what we all need to get behind is rooting for Notre Dame. Poor, pathetic Notre Dame Look, to get I, into the final four years. First of all, I, I like your Barry Bonds analogy in terms of the uh, sinister immorality of it. But I think the, the punchline is is going to be if Barry Bonds had taken steroids and hit 200 with no power. Because I think he's going to go down to LSU and and get fucking rolled. Like, I think that he, you know, he's, it's karma. Like, he's not, he's not going to win the title. In three years from now, everyone's going to go, what a mistake. That's my prediction. Um, Interesting. That's like Dr. Oz, too. It's an easy thing to work against if you're competing with him like dr oz is running for senator in the state of pennsylvania even though he's from ohio and lives in new jersey why are you running in Pennsylvania? like isn't that what bama and a&m and everybody else is gonna say like brian kelly this guy he has nothing to do with he doesn't know how it works (laughs) down here right isn't that what you do yeah of course he's pretending he cares about the bayou police like right isn't that what they do yeah so we you know you can rely on uh, Nick Saban's going to be here at Alabama. You know I will I will finish out my days here at Alabama. But this guy, you never know. He might abandon your kid. It's going to be great. Um, so our, now, so those are our college football picks. You when you say Iowa, you just think they're going to beat the number. I am going to say. I I like the Hawkeyes who stumbled a little bit, but I think this is the way I'm all I'm forever fascinated by what goes on in any human being's head, let alone a kid in college. And like, this is our year, guys. Magic year in Iowa City. We're really on a roll. We're, We're we're beat. We're pulling some upsets and look at us. We're number two in the nation. And then you lose once and you're like, all right, well, listen, we can still win the cup. Oh, we lost again. Okay, now we're out of it. Uh, how do you get up for those games? You know, I, for real. Like, they get like, okay, so they didn't play well against Nebraska. Their season was over, except now, given, you know, where they stand, their season is made once again if they knock off Michigan. So I think they're playing for a great deal in their own heads where they when, when they weren't for the last three weeks. And they're good. They're not, you know, they're not Georgia good, but... They're they're a good team, and ten and a half is heavy for Michigan, who has not smoked. I mean, they they did, uh, ironically, smoke Ohio State pretty good, but it's not like they were destroying every all comers all through the Big Ten this year. So yes, I definitely like Iowa plus ten and a half, and I'm going to meditate on it for 24 more all hours right. before I issue I just, my final pick on extra that, points. That, that the the level of physical dominance of Ohio State, like if you can just push someone around like that all game long, like it never stops. Like they just two hundred ninety seven yards rushing. So uh, I feel like if that if that freight train gets rolling, I don't like the ten and a half could seem not that like not that big a number pretty quickly. 
I hear you, but spaghetti weigh in. I mean, that's what Iowa does best, best, though. Best. I mean, Iowa's thing is 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 uh, you know muscling their foes as well. So I don't give Michigan a gigantic edge there. And again, the other side of like Iowa lost its way in terms of what this season meant and what it could be a month ago. Michigan's season was just made in their own heads. The celebration that impacts human beings. I, the celebration that, in man. Ann Arbor, you know, seven days ago. It, I, you know, again, when the U.S., people forget, when the U.S. beat the Soviet Union in 1980, biggest upset ever, 4-3 celebration, I think that they were able, and they went down to Finland in what was, in fact, the gold medal game. They were losing that game, and they had to rally to win the gold medal. That is a weird little footnote in history. That's a hard spot to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, you still have to beat Iowa if you want to play in the Final Four. I don't know. I, I I can definitely see them stumbling at least in and playing a close game yep. here. So yes, definitely give me the Hawkeyes. Uh, totally with totally with you. It's one of my best bets. I, I love Iowa ten and a half. It was me. It was like six and a half. I'd say maybe stay away, but ten and a half is a lot of points. Like Iowa is just pretty much like a microcosm of what the Big Ten is like outside of Ohio State. It's it's a really good defense and a pretty crappy offense. It, and they they're not going to score a ton of points, but I think they know they have to stop Michigan's run game, which is they're capable of doing that. But they're not going to score a lot, which is why I like them probably not to win the game but to stay within the 10 and a half and like look Ohio State like they're all about the offense they're all about CJ Stroud Olave like you know scoring points and, and the game versus Michigan like the turnovers they had you know they didn't score touchdowns in the red zone maybe if this game didn't have snow and wasn't you know cold out could have been a different result and they just got they just didn't score and they had to just keep up with Michigan who scored nonstop and like that that was the book on Ohio State you could score in their defense so I think Iowa's defense being pretty good will stop the Michigan uh, rushing attack I'm not sure if Cade McNamara was playing quarterback you're going to throw all over them but I, I I think Michigan's a solid team. I think Michigan will win the game, but 10 and a half is a lot. So I like Iowa a lot in this one. The other thing you could say about that Michigan Ohio state result is the score could have been a lot different in the way it ended up. If Ohio state's receivers don't make a fucking series of circus catches, that game could have been more of a blowout. I mean, the physical domination was, uh, it was nuts. I, I really was, surprised at the 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 men versus the boys on the line of scrimmage uh so you know it's funny i i really like the colts against the texans and it's that same thing when it's like it's the same number actually it's it's 10 i think and it's like when teams that can run the ball get up it's gonna get out of hand you know it's gonna get to 41 14 fast um, and, and so uh, I, I, I would actually, I'm not going to bet that game, but I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan is just for real, they're better. And, and so while we're talking all things Midwest and you say the Colts, I think the Colts, I really like that play this week because it's got to be liberating after what the Colts have been going through recently to get the Texans. It should, you know, it should be for Wentz, it, it should be such a weight off his shoulders, like. This counts as a pro football. This is going to count in the standings. Well, this is too easy. Based, it's sort of like the reverse of what the LA Chargers just did. Wait, well, the, this pro football team called the Steelers can't stop us. Whenever we have the ball, we're going to score. Obviously, then they go and play Denver, and they find a very different matchup. This is that 
in reverse, I think um, that the Colts are going to just be liberated by getting to play the Texans, and they will cover that, what is it, 13, 13 and a half last I saw. Um, Cincinnati, you met, brought them up, big spot for all things Cincinnati football. By the way, changing my Ohio-based AFC North championship pick, champion pick, from the Browns to the Bengals, plus 230. Bengals are looking good. I think they are for real. We will see against the Chargers. We'll pick that in a second. Cincinnati against Houston, though. The Bearcats laying 10 and a half there. They stumbled last year in their title game. It was close. What was it? A three-point game, Spaghetti? Is that what it was when they when they knew they needed the win? This one's even clearer for them. Win and you're in almost certainly. I think they take care of business there with a double-digit victory. So I'll take Cincinnati. I like Oklahoma State. They beat Baylor by 10 the first time around. I think those trends tend to continue. You beat a team once, you're going to beat them again a second time. So I'll take the Cowboys minus four and a half. Thoughts on that, uh, Hancher Spaghetti? Well, first of all, I got the Colts at 10 today. Oh, 10. So I, thought, okay. I feel like you should definitely take my advice over <laughs> Sheck's 13, advice. definitely. I mean, because it, it's going to be harder for them to cover Sheck's number. I, I, you're, I got a feeling. Talk about a weight off your shoulders. If you thought it was 13, you hear 10. Ooh, now you got to yeah. get it. Um, so, uh, my, but my pick of the week um, and I, I, it pains me to say this, but, um, I like the bills on Monday night. Do you really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I feel like, <laughs> I like the way I like that you kind of whisper. Yeah. Well, I, I feel of, bad, but like, you should be ashamed to make this, you know, that. um, so much of the way the Patriots have been winning these last six weeks is, the they they get not I mean it's one thing to get the deflections to get the to get the balls bouncing they they don't drop any interception they catch everything like every opportunity every time they've punched a ball from behind they've fallen on it like this run of forcing turnovers like once the ball's on the ground it's a coin flip except the Patriots have been recovering every fumble and every tipped ball results in interception and I feel like you know that. Last week, the Bills were my best bet against the Saints uh, on on Thanksgiving, and it really looked like they figured a lot of stuff out against a very good defense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're at home. It's it's uh, it is to to your point. It's it's the game that sort of defines who's the beast of the East. And I feel like as good as Mac Jones has been and as far as the team has come as quickly as they've come, um, I do think if like if you take a breath, you're like the Bills were the class of that division by kind of a lot when the season started. And I feel like Monday night at home, national televised game, it feels like the it will regress to the norm on Monday night. And, you know, and the Bills win by 10. First of all, 19 picks by the by the Patriots at this point is an insane number. And I said the Patriots win the division. I thought that we handed things over to the Bills a little prematurely. They've been obviously a nice team for a couple of years here, but the assumption that they were the clear-cut best team in the AFC, they may yet prove to be that, but let's see them play this Belichick defense, which is turning teams over, is structured to do that. Josh Allen has a big ego, as do all high-end quarterbacks. He can be seduced into throwing some bad balls, and I— 
I can't believe that somehow I have more faith in this Patriots team. After how much more evidence do you need that it's not some fluke what Belichick is doing here? You know, I'm just saying they're not going to run the table. They're in this this gaunt. They're in this gauntlet: Titans, Bills, Colts, Bills. You know, they beat a banged up Titans team. Of these four games, Bills on the road is the one you can lose. You're not going to win them all. Hench is now Hench is now Commissioner Gordon in the old Adam West Batman series. Every Batman, every episode ends with Batman saving the day. If Gotham survives, thanks to Batman and the boy Wonder Robin at his side. And then every next episode starts with like the penguin making up some jive about like, I'm running for mayor of Gotham, but Batman's a villain and he's trying to take down this city. And Commissioner Gordon's like is it true, Batman? Are you against us now? Like, how much more do I need to do for you, Gotham? Come on, Commissioner Hench is now Hench is now Commissioner Gordon. That Dalton Belichick. What gives, man? Well, look, I'm a warrior. There's as, as you pointed out earlier. Oh, I didn't know you were a warrior. You know, there's a lot to worry about. Uh, it, a in, warrior. In, oh, you call no. yourself a warrior. Those are two very opposite things. <laughs> Not a warrior, a warrior, a warrior. I'm worried. No, you and I are both I'm worried. worried about Monday night. I'm, 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 wor- <laughs> I'm worried about this dystopian nightmare that the country is sinking into. Um, yeah, I worry. I'm not. I, I my family is very aware of uh, in the fight or flight choice. We're going to Denmark, kids. There's no, there's no fight. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to be on the barricades uh, with my I want to know how we got from Denmark. If you're from Denmark, you're Danish. That's a pretty big stretch. We'll talk. We'll tackle that in another day. One more college football pick for you. Pitt and Wake. I know it doesn't have any relevance on the national stage at this point beyond maybe um, Kenny Pickett making uh, a late push for the Heisman Trophy, which I fully support obviously Pitt giving three and a half give me the Panthers go in there and whip them but good what they need to do is for Kenny Pickett I feel like it's not enough to win in a in a shootout and it's probably going to be there they need in a game like this they'll need to create a couple special plays defensively and turn them over if they win by double digits you know because if both teams are in the 50s or the high 40s or whatever it kind of denigrates the the stat line you know it makes the numbers meaningless on some level Pitt's got to win by double digits but if Kenny Pickett throws four touchdown passes to win the ACC and cinch 11 and two I mean, what, what are we talking we're overthinking things by not handing the uh, Heisman to to that kid I mean now Vaden Hutchinson sacks uh, uh, Iowa three times and they're headed to the then, then I see that case but this young and Stroud jive is uh hey is ridiculous I, I you I was thinking, obviously, we've all been thinking about the um, the corruption, the, the criminal corruption in college football. And I was like trying to distill it down to its core. Um, high school football is not corrupt because there's no money. No one's making any money. No, there's, there's no money to divide between the coaches and the players and the athletic directors. There's no money. So it's pure high school football. Professional football, also not criminally corrupt. There's a ton of money. And the players get a lot of it. Like that's that negotiation, the collective bargaining agreement, how much of our revenue is going to go to the players? And it's a big chunk. And we can argue about how much is right. We we obviously tune in to watch the players. College football is so criminally corrupt and we 
and these hundred million dollar contracts for this guy, it, be, why is there so much money for these guys? Well, we don't pay these fucking guys. We don't pay any of the guys you tune in to watch. There, that's free. And it's just like we just carry on, you know, with these guys cashing out. I wish they would show up at the, you know, at the welcome to Baton Rouge press conference. I wish they would just say, look, I, I'm here till I see a prettier girl. I'm here till I see something, you know, whatever. I don't give a shit about your kids. I care only about me. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to stab your kids in the back as soon as it's better for me. That's, that is what these coaches all do. They're, they're, and they, these teary eyed farewells, like what, who's buying this? First of all, who's buying the lie that, that you, uh, you, your coffee hadn't brewed yet when USC called and it, I, gee, I was just waking up. I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I hadn't talked to any, I don't even know. I didn't even know there was a vacancy at USC. I'm, I'm as surprised as you are really, because when I sell a fucking pilot, the negotiation goes on for weeks, if not months, like it is a long back and forth. And the idea that a contract worth a hundred times what I make on a pilot is that settled before the, before the eggs are done. They just came together just came over, together over late, late lunch. lunch. Yeah. Your fucking agent has been talking to them for months. Okay. Don't lie. And, but the thing is, it's funny when, you know, David Geffen wrote this piece when he was saying, this is why I'm endorsing Obama in 2008 instead of Hillary. And it had to do with how effortlessly the Clintons lied. That was his point of view. It was like, they just lie so easily. I'm sure David Geffen never told a lie on his way to billions of dollars. He's a very honest, honest fellow, I'm sure. But, you know, it was the effortlessness with which they lie where you're like, oh, you just want it to be effort. You want there to be some effort in the lie. And when I watch these college coaches just go up to the podium, media is going to ask them a question. They're going to lie. They're not going to bat an eye. Like, these are sociopaths. Like, they, they might pass a fucking lie detector test. Like, it's like, obviously... You know, it's like saying, I'm immunized. I'm immunized. I haven't talked to USC. I haven't personally talked. Like, it's like, anyway, so look, live your life, take your money. Obviously, all three of us decided to live in Los Angeles instead of somewhere else. Welcome to town, Lincoln Riley. But can we just stop with the fucking lie? And then the media goes, oh, okay. I mean, you know, I like Scott Van Pelt. I think he's excellent at his job. But he has Lincoln Riley on, and it's like, do you want to ask any of the ten difficult questions? Do you want to ask what? Do you want to ask? Don't go, don't go. Um, you're a liar. Obviously, you're a liar. This is a lie. This is an easily provable lie. You don't have to do that one. But like, do you want to ask like a five on the difficult question? It's like no, because Scott Van Pelt is in the money machine. He's the recipient of the money that gets stolen from these black kids who get paid nothing to play college football. So if you're in on the grift, you don't ever want to say, hey, hey, thanks for coming on the show. You're a piece of shit. Uh, you're robbing people's labor. You're part of a criminally corrupt system. Uh, thanks for coming on. I hope you come back soon. No, of course you're like, hey, man, thanks for making time. 
to make to fill out my show so I can make more money because we're in the money making business is great. Um, and uh, you make money off of kids who don't get paid. And uh, and and you're welcome to come on the show anytime. And I'll never ask you a difficult question. That's that's the covenant. That's the contract that we have. Right. And and I don't think there's there's any evidence of, you know, and I, there are definitely some exceptions that that would prove this rule. But there is not executives on high dictating to league partners or NCAA partners, the, the network partners saying uh, under no circumstances can you denigrate the institution that we have built here, the the league or the or the college football empire or otherwise. But there is some, uh, to your point, there's an inherent pressure to toe that line because you don't want to disrupt that. And you're also aware that a large percentage of the fan base, their goal, the, the, the viewer, the diehard sports fan, what they don't want is a change to the status quo that they are currently enjoying. So any, so the idea that 19 year olds should get paid threatens to disrupt what they're enjoying and so then they conjure rationalizations i'm talking at the fan level this is what happens everybody on some level is kind of incented beyond the player level to toe the line that you're talking about no one wants the negativity the the league doesn't the teams don't the coaches don't um the only ones who are kind of hung out the dry are the players to your point because even the the fans don't realize that they're getting snowed on some level. They're kind of like, that's right. Why, why wouldn't the coach that kid's transferring? He's a traitor. He's not going to play in the bowl game. He doesn't care about football. That kind of, that kind of lame rhetoric insinuates itself into your brain as a fan, whether you realize it's happening or not a lot of the well, time. I, right? You know, my, my hope, my dream is that these players at some point realize uh, a wildcat strike on the eve of the national championship game, we could make some demands. Yes. We could make some demands. I say that all the time. If you decided, well, yeah, you want your, yeah, we're, we're not going to play unless we fully change the we're, operation. We're all right. hurt. We're all hurt. Uh, we have the flu. We can't play. Um, but, but, but it is a real bad look that a team that can make the final four in Notre Dame, that that's not good enough for this coach is that puts a stink on it. I mean, at least Lincoln Riley, you know, you know, if they beat Oklahoma state and they're in contention, it would be equally as bad, but you know, he's kind of off the hook that the cover that Brian Kelly provides. And in fact, like uh, to your point, and maybe it sounds snobby or coastal elite or whatever to real America, but I think that push and pull of, real America versus coastal people and all that. And the perceived uh, frame of mind of, uh, of both sets of that is part of the reason why, like how Lincoln Riley's leaving Oklahoma. He's leaving Norman to move to LA. What, why would anybody do that? Like, huh? What do you mean? Why? Cause one's LA and one is one's Oklahoma. What are you talking? Sorry if that sounds snobby, but the beach is here and the weather is nice and you should be able to recruit here. And by the way, if you gave me the UCLA job, I would also take that one too. Well, it's funny. I'd rather the, uh, live in LA there, than Norman. There's a, a, a Republican candidate for treasurer or something in Oklahoma that uh, broke down how much more Lincoln Riley is going to pay yes. in taxes in California. And it's like, yeah, California gets to charge that because people want to live in California. Oklahoma, I'm sure you have a very low tax rate. 
that that that's that's your rent. That's the rent rate for living in Oklahoma. So L.A. L.A. is uh, I know everyone's worried about this big exodus from L.A. L.A. will be fine. L.A. is going to be fine. What's even funnier about this Linger Raleigh thing, just to jump in, is that there's pretty credible rumors going around now that he was recruiting players to come not to Oklahoma, but to USC for a while. Not him himself, but he's had people do it. And I think that seems there's pretty much then, then you can connect it back to the Oklahoma wanting to jump to the SEC, which was a school decision, not his decision. He's like, well, I want no part of the SEC. USC, obviously, they fired Clay Heldon. They had the job opening. They're like, hey, USC calls him on the download. Like, hey, you want this job? You could recruit the crap out of the Pac-12 and not deal with the SEC and he's like yeah sure so we had his guy just tell these like five stars like hey I want to be there instead it, it's it is pretty shady to, well, to I, I hope that all comes out that would be delightful um it, you know in when you watch the Dateline episodes the you know the the guy who kills his wife they can never wait a year to start uh canoodling around town like they've obviously been having an affair and now they've now they've now they've buried the wife in the backyard and then they they never have the discipline to wait like a year to start being seen around and spending the money and you know and it's like Lincoln Riley's in a tough spot because you can't lay low like it it, you have to you basically have to get married (laughs) the day after you leave your wife like you can't there's no so so he's like all this groundwork of course he doesn't want the cupboard to be bare when he gets to usc so all of these conversations and texts and then you need like like the mob you need to have cutouts carve outs you need to have no this i can't have any fingerprints on this but uh when i get to when i get to la i'd like some players there obviously but you're so right though that that the cover-up is the weird part like to what end? And by the way, Chip Kelly, it is Shakespearean and how he's now on his way out the door that none of the assistants will go with him. All these dark tales from his past. Obviously, the kid dying was a was a legit dark story. But the the story of uh, LaFleur and Sala as assistant <laughs> being asked to go park cars and shovel snow into a, at, at his holiday party or whatever. These, you know, it, it to your point. I, you know, I don't know Brian Kelly if he's a terrible guy or a wonderful guy or somewhere in between. But yeah, given the circumstances, now we should all root against him to 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 uh, to burn all future considerations like this from from happening once again. But you mentioned also those um, those Dateline stories. I marvel in 2021 they first started doing those like uh, autopsy kind of shows at least 20 something years ago. There are that many murders that are that no, are, uh, are mysterious. Well, then- How many can there be that they that they're like? It's not just that Dateline does it either. CBS does its version of it. These unsolved. How many unsolved murders ha- or mysterious circumstances to murders went down in in America in the By last the way, years? And that when we were growing up on Dateline, that was before the true crime boom of like podcasts, right? Right. So now. I mean, it is like I used to think like, well, I guess American Idol can only run for a couple seasons because how many amateur singers are incredible? Like how many incredible singers are there? It's like there's an endless yes, amount. Right. Like we'll have another there'll be a show on NBC singing competitions will never end. Like, really? There are that many great singers. And I think murder is the same way because you would think if you're like 
you know, like Dateline had the game to themselves for a while. So like we get we get the best murders and now it's like fucking people are scrambling. Like we're what do you mean we're out of we're in a production meeting? We have no murders. Well, they took it over on that podcast. Um, It's very sad. Proportion trips me up a lot. Yeah, uh, with with those kind of things. Yes, same thing. Yeah, you would if you would have told me. Remember the HBO show? That's the OG autopsy with that Doctor oh, Baden guy, the greatest, the 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 coroner with that with that spooky lady's voice in 1983 in a quiet town like that. Oh, that that spooked me. I would have thought, well, that's that's the end of it. Once they made the JFK movie and they made that autopsy show, that that pretty much all the mysterious killings in America, right? Nope. Apparently, 20 years later, still, uh, same thing as I marvel when I drive around L.A. and all these houses are worth $2 million and more, all that. How are there enough rich people in America, let alone just no, in L.A., look, to fill those crazy. homes? I, I can't okay. fathom that there so, are that many rich people in one city, let alone in, in I society. Always, I always feel this when I drive through Beverly, the flats of Beverly Hills, right? So the flats, um, you know, uh, above Wilshire the just sprawling mansions that go back, you know, football field size mansions. And when you're looking at all those houses, no one you've ever heard of would live. That's a lame place to live. Like Jack Nicholson's not going to live in one of these. Like these houses are all like, lawyers, executive, like these are not, these are that's not right. Families. Right. You don't drive by Tom Hanks's house yeah. is not visible these, from the road. And so like, the, we're not even yeah, looking at this, those houses yet. We're just talking about what we can see with our eyes house, that are beyond this our guy's reach. a loser that Hanks wouldn't be caught dead with this guy in his $12 million house. That's LA. Hey, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the houses in Norman are nice too. All right. Let's talk about the Beatles. Like I was, I read the rundown. All right. I, I know, I know. Well, listen, we, we got sidetracked there. I, I enjoy the conversation. Excuse me. But first, a quick break. Hey, fellas, you know already what I'm about to say, but sadly, the NFL regular season is heading into its final month. I'm low about it already, but the good news is we still have important games to watch, and they're giving us a big week 13. Speaking of which, Cowboys and Saints FanDuel Sportsbook is making it even bigger for you because FanDuel is giving new customers 30 to 1 odds on either team to win. That means you can win $150 on a $5 bet. I like the Cowboys here. They've been the better team over the course of the season. The most important position in sports remains quarterback and Taysom Hill. No offense, Dak Prescott is better than you at football. So I like the Cowboys to win that one. All sorts of fun bets you can make, of course, at FanDuel. We love the same game parlay. I think Tony Pollard gets in the end zone if you're looking for a touchdown score as one leg of your same game parlay. You can bet the money line, touchdown scores, prop bets, all the rest of it. Who's going to get in the end zone, passing yards, all the rest. FanDuel, this is an example of just uh, of one of the many reasons it is the best sports book in all the land. Number one rated in the U.S. of A, easy to use, safe and secure. Get in there, bet the same game parlay, and Bet that, uh, win yourself that 30 to one bet on Thursday night football. And we'll see you in the winner circle. As long as you bet it at fanduel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three. So we talk about, well, dynasties are a big thing in college football. I mentioned that Beatles documentary and it occurred to me watching it because some people float in like, 
I, I noticed some people on social media, some cynicism, uh, surprisingly, on social media saying, do we need another Beatles documentary? And I considered that and I thought maybe that's a good point. And then I thought, you know what? They are the most enduring dynasty. They have 50 years after the fact never been beaten. And I don't mean enduring in the sense that in in, in the way that maybe the Yankees are pretty consistently good. But I mean, in a period of time, like the Beatles in the 60s are music's dynasty that has never been trumped. Is that fair, right? I mean, like Michael Jackson maybe well, would be the closest I, challenger. I, this is weird because we agree on Georgia, Alabama, and I and I agree with you on this. And here's, here's why I agree with you on the Beatles as we compare uh, the Beatles to other dynasties. Okay, for me... I mean, the Patriots 21st century dynasty, obviously a special place in my heart. But when you think about like the, the ultimate dynasty, Bill Russell wins 11 titles in 13 years. You know, this is still, <laughs> third, and, and, and one of those losses, he was he was hurt. So you look, you're like, OK, Bill Russell, Bob Cousy. Tom, Boy, those them Cincinnati Royals were but, a you know, Bill matchup. Russell, Bob Cousy is your you're like. <laughs> Who are we You're talking about? Talking about the 60 okay. Celtics are the well, most I'm, overrated I'm getting, dynasty of them all. I'm getting to the point. Okay. I'm go agreeing ahead. with okay, you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Only interrupt me when oh, I'm okay, disagreeing you. with you. Okay. So, okay. so you're like, okay, you got Bill Russell, you got Bob Cousy, you got Tom Heinz, you got Sam Jones. Like, yeah, he, your eyes would start to bleed if you tried to watch a fucking entire basketball game from 1957. Like, you couldn't watch it. The Beatles come on the radio now and you're, you're delighted. You're like, this is amazing. This is nobody. Nobody is like, uh, change the station. It's the Beatles. Like it's how do you make something that is so good that it's endured genres, changes, everything. You're like, you're still like, oh my God, this melody, this, this musicianship, it's incredible. Uh, and, and, and I was trying to think about it when you, when you floated it, I was like, why, why, why? And I, and I was thinking, you know, thinking about the bulls and, you know, I was like, uh, are, are, are Lennon McCartney and Harrison, you know, I was like, are they Jordan Pippen and Rodman? And then I was like, no, McCartney and Lennon are both Jordan. Like, it's like, they're both like you, you hmm. met at a fair and you're both Michael Jordan. Hey, do you like basketball? I like basketball. You want to play basketball together for the rest of our lives? You're both Michael Jordan. Like, it's so crazy. Um, you know, and then George Harrison ends up, you know, being this songwriter with Here Comes the Sun and something. Oh, I brought, I I have something to, to add. So you, you end up with these three incredible songwriters, you know, two obvious giants. And then the other part, and this is like depressing, more maybe for spaghetti, than for us. But when you're watching the documentary, when they're sitting there, you know, write, writing songs on the fly, McCartney's 26. He's 26 years old in the doc. He's got a beard, so he looks a little older. But I'm like, I, I said to Heather, I was like, I think I read in the New Yorker piece that he's 26. And she's like, no way. And I'm like, I go to my phone. I'm like, yeah, he hasn't turned 27 yet. That's going to happen in June. We're in January of 69. So these guys have all those albums under their belt, all those hits. And 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 John's 28, Paul's 26, and George is 25. George, by the way, is 
it, it's funny because he's supposedly in his transcendental meditation, chilling out. He's got the the weirdo Hari Krishna sitting in the recording studio because he's just he's just floating above it all. And yet he's insanely passive aggressive with both John and Paul. You're like, man, I don't think the meditation's taking because you just told John Lennon his song is awful. But George is trying to step into like full adulthood. I'm a I'm a Beatle too. And so he's like, I I have thoughts. And uh it, it comes across, he says to Paul at one point, he goes, he goes, Oh yeah, you know, you don't annoy me anymore. You don't annoy me anymore. It's like, well, it's the tone sounds like he annoys you a little. But anyway, so it's very sad. It's kind of like the standard is the standard. It's fun rhetoric, but hippies are just <laughs> as self-interested as everybody else. It just sounds, it sounds good to perpetuate um, that. But it is you know, very much, yeah. you know, it's it watching this is analogous to the last dance where you're like, this is it. These guys, these guys are sick of each other. It's gone as long as it can. I mean, and, you know, I, I have a lot of probably retrograde thoughts on on the issue of bringing your girlfriend to rehearsal. Uh, I probably need to I need to I need to woke up a little bit on that issue. But it is just strange that she's sitting there knitting like it's a weird energy where you're like, um, yeah, we're just we're at work. So we're going to be at work here. I would go. I. For my money, I would go crazy if I were Paul McCartney and that. Like, I can't do it. She's just sitting there, not reacting at all. She doesn't act like she likes it or doesn't like it. Or I, that would make me batty. I, I gave credit to the rest of them watching it. Like, how are you supposed to work with, with a human being uh, two feet away from you giving off no human emotion? That made me her. crazy. That's the best part. It's, that's yes, hilarious. it's bizarre. Her at all. She's just on a chair. That's great. And I hate that swagger that comes with uh, being in your mid twenties and owning the world. They're just uh, there's not you, you can't put yourself in those. Shows. How is that guy when you know when a college uh, quarterback is coming out? Like how is he so self possessed like that? Oh, I guess you know when 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 you rule the world and everybody pats you on the back for three or four or eight straight years. I guess that probably does <laughs> imbue you with a, with a different level of confidence than but Dave Damashek's you know, ever had for five uh, minutes of his what life. What I think about it, it's why I feel like it's why we end up talking about sports is, you know, Gladwell came out with the book and was like, you got to, you got to do 10,000 hours of something. If you haven't done 10,000 hours, you're just going to suck at whatever you try to do. And so then we're like, Oh, well, shit, I fucked, I blew off the piano lessons. You know, like when you look at the things you might have done with your life, you're like, well, what did you do? I watched sports all day, every day. Oh, okay. Well, you have one skill. You have one skill. It's talking about sports. Oh, great. Um, and I watch these guys who, you know, Paul doesn't read music because he doesn't have to, because every song he's ever heard in his life, he's memorized and knows exactly what note is being played. So when you're watching these guys create iconic music, they're, they're, they're on a hundred thousand hours, right? They did, they were done with 10,000 hours before they left Hamburg. Like they, these guys are so proficient as musicians that they just go, Oh, you know what, you know, it would be good if we did this. And you're like, wow, okay. That's the thing that goes on the album. 
Uh, although it is delightful to watch them riffing through all the songs that don't go on the album where you're like, good call. Good call. That one sucks. <laughs> you guys definitely did the right thing. <laughs> you you touch on something that I, I don't know if we've talked about before here on this, but um, is, you know, the 21st century, it's, it's the perfect storm for narcissists. Now everybody is a narcissist in the 21st century and it's, it's supported by social media. I can tweet something and, um, Lane Kiffin can tweet something and they're both publicly available. So whose opinion matters more? Well, well, the experts does. It's the same sort of thing. If you're a wine connoisseur, I think there's merit in that. There's actual studying involved. You have to know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, the Cliff's Notes version of that is being a beer expert. There are a lot of frat dudes who are way too into the hops of this particular IPA versus that. It's lame. I will wear that as what's what's Dave's area of expertise. He watches other people do stuff. He, he, he watches sports and he has opinions on those. That's a pretty lame area of expertise. And the, the greatest reveal of all is that if anybody were an actual expert about watching sports, they would be able to tell you with greater consistency than anyone does who's going to win the games. And that brings me around to that that's what makes sports the most compelling bit of entertainment. Still to this day, all the flaws, because no matter how much you know, you still don't know who's going to win any game. You don't, you, you still can't correct with any accuracy given a point spread or otherwise what's going to happen. And that's why it remains compelling Beatles, hey, I, I made a quick list, though. Tell me right. if I left anybody out here. Greatest dynasty of the last hundred years. I think Beatles are number one. Michael Jackson is probably the number two in terms of music. But the Beatles, you know, from what, 66 to, you know, to retirement. That that Do they, do they benefit, though, from early retirement versus the Rolling Stones going, like, for the Rolling Stones, basically Muhammad Ali themselves, like, steel wheels on those are embarrassing pieces of music but then they also deserve credit for enduring and still getting out there and Mick Jagger's likable and all that but maybe they would have been better served Led Zeppelining it you know like oh, let's shut it down bottom's gone no more no, no need to carry on here um Notre Dame football USC football Bama football Yankees in what the 50s the 90s James Bond is a great dynasty. Star Wars is still, is it still the most popular big entertainment, like big budget effort in the history of cinema? The Canadians frauds in the 50s. They were, they, they had to beat five other teams. The 70s Steelers in terms of likability, I would submit are the most likable sports dynasty of our lifetime. I know I'm biased, but is that not true? What wasn't there to like about that when you put them up against the fancy pants Dallas Cowboys with a star on the side of their hat and all that crap and the self-important, we're America's team. The Steelers like, we're not America's team. We're Pittsburgh's team. And we're built on brawn. And that's all we care about. Like, that was very likable, you know, against their arch rival. Speaking of the seven, Muhammad Ali. Still the greatest heavyweight champion, still the most beloved and all of that. Patriots of the 21st century, or maybe it's Brady deserves that as the greatest dynasty in football history. I think the Cowboys of the 90s are slept on, the Islanders in the early 80s, and then the Celtics or the Lakers. I can't decide which is the greater basketball dynasty, 60s 
Celts, I'm not sure, I get, or the 80s Lakers or the 90s Bulls. Anyway, I just well, wanted to you, share uh, what, I, what I had scratched out. Do you out. have UCLA basketball on your list? No, see, I, I do. I forget the, somebody. The All right, thing, there you go. I didn't spend seven hours about UCLA on UCLA basketball, and this will bring home uh, as Lincoln Riley arrives. So, you know, <laughs> UCLA basketball has the advantage of John Wooden um, not being uh, 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 Adolph Rupp, right? I mean, UCLA establishes itself as, hey, um, Lou Alcindor, this would be a place where you, you you might feel okay in in 1960s America. And so, you know, success breeds success. Um, and I feel like if I were Lincoln Riley, and I'm, I'm sure Lincoln Riley has always voted a straight Republican ticket in his life, but if I were Lincoln Riley, my, my recruiting pitch would be, Oh, you're going to go, you're going to go to that state that just passed the voting restrictions. You're going to go play in, are you going to play in Georgia? Oh gosh. I, I, I had you pegged for a different kind of guy. I would tell every single mom, uh, you know what he'll be able to do in LA vote every single mom. I would say, you know, you know where he'll be protected is, is in California. Uh, Georgia. And also, but the pristine, not, not, you're exactly right that they could take the moral high ground at the same time that I can't remember the guy's name was paying the UCLA players. And John Wooden was like, I don't know nothing about that. that I mean, they they had it from both sides. Right. They they uh, that was absolutely true. And that's not by the way, see. paying the players is the moral high ground. You're right. They were on the moral high ground then, too. It's only in this fucked up world where we go. These guys should work for free that we think it's immoral to play for a plane ticket for their parents to see them to play. Like it's I like, agree. If you don't have boosters that are paying the players because the institution won't do it, then are, you, are your boosters even trying? That's their role. Yeah, but the reason the Beatles, I think, you know, to your, to your astute point, still top all of those lists is, you know, it's, it's this little tiny collection of guys, you know, they're not, there's no roster turnover. Bill Walton's not coming in to replace Lou Alcindor. You know, it's like, it's just these guys. And it's funny, um, you know, obviously John and Paul are John and Paul. And then George, you know, definitely proves himself and proves himself as a solo artist. Uh, the, I, I watched this documentary, Paul McCartney and Rick Rubin, just going through the songs and just, it's incredible. And, and all, you know, all the Beatles, but like McCartney, obviously the, the living legend that, that they were like, our band changed when Ringo joined. Like it was um, when they, he, the way McCartney tells the story, he says, he says, we were basically, Ringo was pretty established, maybe even more so than they were. And when they were like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to hire this drummer. And then they heard him playing behind them. And then Paul said, do you, do you think he'll keep us? Do you think he'll, you know, do you think that we'll pass our audition for this uh, incredible drummer? And, uh, and then, you know, I don't, I can't hear, like, I just, you know, I hear a song and I'm like, this sounds good. I'm not hearing like, do you see what Ringo's doing there? Do you see these fills he's doing? And apparently Ringo was incredible. Like, you know, and Paul's like, he brought that militaristic, like that, that, that drum, that driving beat. And so, you know, it was, 
it, it, it's so nuts that they found this perfect, you know, harmony, which is also part of why the songs are so good. Their harmony is unbelievable. Like the sound it makes when they're singing together and is just is nuts. So I do think it's funny. Um, I've been on a bit of a Beatles jag lately and I love, you know, Matthew Weiner and Mad Men, he had to choose and why, like that show's unbelievable. And the detail is incredible. And whenever Weiner was trying to signify we're moving into a new era in America, like we're going from the kind of button down early 60s to the shaggier psychedelic late 60s. And so he's like, I need a song that tells us immediately that we are moving away from I want to hold your hand to something new. And so Weiner, brilliantly, of course, uh, chooses Tomorrow Never Knows off of Revolver to be the psychedelic needle drop where we can now go, oh, Don Draper's going to end up at Esalen doing, doing meditating. Uh, the only problem with it is Tomorrow Never Knows is not the first song on either side of that album. You don't drop the needle on the new album. You just bought a new album. I'm going to listen to track number five. Nobody like so it's a bit of a cheat, but definitely worth it because that that song's incredible. And I, I've been on a revolver jag lately. Um, you yeah, know, revolver and Abbey Road. If you, if you haven't heard those, uh, but it's it's also the range condensed into what's basically like half a decade is crazy from I want to hold your hand to the psychedelic stuff and leaving the road and what then they conjured once they left the road. It's just all remarkable stuff. You should watch the documentary Spaghetti. Who do we leave out? Anybody? Anyone you want to vouch for? You want to fight for your Yanks or something like that? Yeah, I mean, the Yanks is obviously a good, good dynasty in certain select years. I mean, in terms of like juggernaut lots of uh, that go on for years people care i mean maybe the new marvel stuff harry potter I'm trying to think of like movie franchises that oh people, that's interesting the uh, marvel yeah like, the marvel the uh avengers specifically right stuff. yeah that's right um in terms of sports i mean i think you guys pretty much got everything hopefully the next new dynasty the new york rangers but outside of that i think the beatles are the the clear winners it's the documentary is uh, unbelievable and like i said on uh, extra points too is i'm just shocked that the footage was it, like it stayed like prior, it was not leaked. Like it's amazing because you know you think about it. Like you, you see all these bands and and they they release DVDs and stuff. But the sixties alone is obviously tough to record stuff in in good color footage. And then now to to see it, it it's like to me that was like the, the craziest. When they part. cut to when they cut to the for the first time inside that big vacuous stage that they're in, I was like, well, oh, this is it. Oh, this is going to be what it looks like the whole time. I was blown away. It's so, like I said, it doesn't feel like it's something that was shot 50 something years ago. But are you guys bumped at all? I mean, like I, you know, I have sensitive nerve endings and I'm like, it is, these guys are breaking up. Hmm. They're breaking up in front. Like, you know, as Spaghetti knows, Dustin Hoffman and Catherine Ross get on the bus at the end of The Graduate, and you're like, Have you oh. watched it yet, Spaghetti? I haven't, but I know the scene. You son of a bitch. Well, you've seen every, every scene from, you from YouTube cutting out uh, c clips. I know okay, the entire right. movie, but I will watch well, it. You don't is, know the whole movie. What are you talking? You know the whole movie. You don't know the whole movie. You know how it ends. We've used The Graduate for like four or five different cold opens, and I've watched clips on YouTube. Waiting, right we're waiting. Video. But anyway, my point is. Once once you see like you're like, oh, this is uh, this is awkward. Imagine hanging out on that shot for nine hours. 
Like the problem with the Beatles thing is like, <laughs> it's so tense. Cause you're like, this isn't, this is going to lead to a breakup. Um, you know, and, and, uh, McCartney, uh, sings, he wrote in two of us, one of my favorite songs on let it be, um, you and I have memories, uh, that, you know, longer than the road that stretches out ahead of us. Like we have more in our review mirror than we have together. And Beatles historians are like, he's singing about his friendship with John. And then Paul's like, that was about Linda. And it's like, well, that makes no sense. Why would you have more memories with your new girlfriend? That, that obviously fails the first test. He's like, we, you and I have more memories than we're going to have. And then it becomes even more poignant when, when John's taken too soon. Um, you know, like they actually did have more days together than from that moment of recording that song. Uh, so I, yeah, I just watched that song, it. That's spaghetti. You should uh, DM that song to Brian Kelly. It's like Two you and him now. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm on to I'm on to Marcus Freeman. I, I, I don't like the spaghetti things. He's like the assistant AD for Notre Dame or something. The way he talks with with some professional distance from this. I, I want to hear I you. Hate get him. I mean, off I, hate him doing, I hate him for doing that, but I agree with like what Hench said. Like he's going to struggle in the SEC. It's only going to get harder. And yeah, for, for Brian Kelly's sake, like it'll be easier to to land bigger recruits because bigger recruits want to go to school with less academic restrictions. But he's not a great recruiter. Marcus Freeman and Tommy Rees are. Tommy Rees on a play a private jet right now recruiting uh, people, and he's going to he got the contract. He Wanted Notre Dame was not going to give it to him, so it's like I get why he left. That's why I'm not. But like, yeah, he's just he's I think scumbag this, for leaving. This is broken perfectly for you. The expectation slightly lowered because you didn't get Urban Meyer. Be like, machine keeps on rolling. Now there's some there's mm. some intrigue and in how the but they're very they present now as very progressive. Instead of having some old man as their head coach, you have a 35-year-old head coach and a 29-year-old OC. That should be appealing to recruits. I, I you know, in the that's you know, I can't win. Well, you got to give Brian Kelly. He this would give way better chance in a national championship. Like, I don't know. Path is pretty clear if, because yeah, I I totally agree. If you're like, it's one thing if you're like, hey, um, I'm the old white guy that built this LSU uh, for, you know, dynasty. But like, if you're just the new old white guy who's in a parade of old white guys coming to tell you why you should play in the SEC, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, the the more successful old white guy just told me the same thing. Why would I ever choose you? Oh, you know, basically he lands right between Kirby Smart and Saban, right? He's the, he's not... He's not young or old. And I think like if Marcus Freeman was coming to your house, you'd go, yeah, I want to be part of the solution. I want to go with this. Yes, right. There's a certain spirit there with that. And the other thing is that Spaghetti will disagree with me on, and then we have to get to pro football already. Again, we flapped our gums for way too much. But although, no, wait, not enough. Not nearly well, enough it's, for our uh, listeners who decided to. Because um, we always go so long, and I don't know. It's like I enjoy your guys' company. Who you know? Who gives a shit? But I was talking to a buddy in New York when I, over Thanksgiving, and he was talking about like the metrics and the business of podcasting and which ones do well and how long a podcast is supposed to be if your intent is to do well. And I was listening to him. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. We go on two twice as long as that. Oh, yeah. really? What was what was like what's the latest? Twenty-five to thirty minutes. You got to be out. And I was like, twenty-five I was like, to thirty. We're just getting warmed up. 
Please. I know I, I I legitimately say to Spaghetti after three quarters of the episodes after you depart, I always say, Boy, I, I like the first 10, 20 minutes, but we didn't really get cooked until we until we got into it uh, a little bit deeper. So what are we going to do? Sorry, we, we appreciate the slow burn. We appreciate the, the listener who hangs in there with us. But the thing, the other thing, very quickly on Notre Dame, one last thought for me on it is Notre Dame very subtly doesn't play as tough as the schedule as it used to. When Penn State and Pitt and West Virginia were all independents and they were on the schedule perennially, those were three tougher games. Notre Dame has to kind of shop around and they do high-profile games against different regions, teams to try and have a national appeal. But Stanford... Let's not. I mean, we're far enough away from the glory days there that we can that that when they schedule that game that they rightly think it's a tough matchup maybe against a, a Pac-12, um, uh, you know, powerhouse team. Stanford's not. They have to kind of search. Their, their schedule ain't that good, and yet they're on national TV every week. They have a real good shot when the season kicks off at ten wins every single year. Nah, that, that's just it's the not, way it's not true though, but. Well, that is it's, true. It's I mean, not because again, if they were just doing a full ACC schedule in most years, the ACC you're just getting one good team in Clemson, and it's like so they're, they they schedule five ACC games. Look, it's like it's not their fault that they make the schedule years in advance, and then UNC decided to be terrible. Wisconsin's very up and down. USC was awful. They fired their coach. Like Stanford, like yeah, Stanford a few years back was a juggernaut. A few years back, USC had Sam Darnold and 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 Ronald Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster on offense. They were actually pretty good. Like it's not it just the ebbs and flow of college season. They they schedule. Texas they scheduled uh Alabama upcoming like they they used to play Michigan Michigan State more often like there's there's still opportunities for them to schedule these tough teams but they like they scheduled them the teams the, the teams ended up stinking it's like not on Notre Dame their schedule is still in the like the upper like uh they're 36 I think out of the whole they could get Michigan their on schedule the schedule was tougher schedule. than most SEC schools like it, again it's like it's not on Notre Dame for these teams like not being good it's, it is what it is the reason that their schedule ironically looks better than you would have expected is because Cincinnati is undefeated and they lost to them all right let's get into some NFL games here the uh no secret that I love the Chargers this year. I'm not off that uh, that train just yet, but now they go to Cincinnati, and the Bengals have emerged. Bengals given just three. Seems a little weird to me, given that the Chargers had a, a nice offensive showing against the Steelers two weeks ago, but have been mostly scuffling. The Bengals going into Vegas and winning that one and then housing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would think the Bengals would be um, given a couple more points there. Anywho, I'm going to take... I'm going to take the Chargers here because the Chargers really, really need it. Or I don't know what to make sense of my preseason pick here. I uh, I like the Bengals with that that too small number. Um, some crazy third down ineptitude by the Chargers, uh, by, by, by Bill Barnwell last night on ESPN, talking about they can't get off the field. They cannot get off the field. And so – because you're in a lot of third and shorts so, because teams can run at you and Joe Mixon figures right. to be able to do and, that. I'm just going on the Chargers Justin at Herbert, some point flipping a switch offensively. Justin Herbert can't get on the field if they defense can't get off the field. And I was actually kind of surprised by this number. Um, you know, I look, I'm always looking at Mac Jones. I'm like, okay, where's Mac Jones rank? You know, his completion percentage is way up there. Like I think he's third, but he's, you know, 70%. By the way, Tua's 54 for his last 64. 
I don't care what checkdowns you're throwing. That's an impressive stretch. Uh, ask Cam Newton if he's ever completed 54 of 64. I think you're exactly right about that, which is what makes the the anomaly is Cam Newton doing that. Everybody throws yeah. for 60 plus so, percent so, now. People swoon over that. But the number that jumped out at me, because then I'm like, okay, so this high percentage, where's your yards per pass, which I always think is the ultimate stat. How many yards does your team average when you drop back to throw? And Joe Burrow is at eight. And that is a big number. Uh, and so between between the Mixon and the Burrow and the terrible Chargers defense, um, I I like the Bengals minus a field goal. Freezer Bowl redo, 1981, the, after the greatest uh, football game of all time, the, uh, the Chargers at the Dolphins. Um, then they get the Freezer Bowl, did the Chargers. Boy, Air, uh, Dan Fouts and Air Coriel. History did not smile on them for whatever reason. Um, in the explain this game to a guy who just woke up from a coma matchup of the week, the Washington football team that now has no name and the Raiders who now play in Las Vegas, Super Bowl 18. If you fell into a coma in at the end of, of Super Bowl 18 and just now woke up like, wait, why doesn't Washington have a team? And when did the Raiders leave L.A.? Oh, no, they went back to Oakland, but then they went to Las Vegas. And now here's the matchup you have. Wait, how's the team playing without any name, though? Like wait, Las Vegas? But they, but that doesn't that encourage gambling? Anyhow, Vegas is laying two and a half. How's okay. the So I'm going to go again. You know, a month ago, I said these wheels are going to come off for the Raiders. I Gave, I gave you the Giants. They beat the Raiders. I gave you the Chiefs. They blew out the Raiders. Um, the, the Raiders got right on Thanksgiving. I mean, with a little bit of help, obviously. I've never seen that, by the way. Four PIs on the same guy on third down incompletions. It's just pretty remarkable. But in the copycat league, I can't believe you don't see more of that. Hey, that guy is the live. Just attack him the whole time until he stops. And the other you. thing, like, the other copycat league thing is, and and this is one I I think the NBA you know had to be shamed into doing it, but the NBA figured out um, you can't throw your body on the floor into a chalk outline at the end of every jump shot and try to trick the ref into giving you three three free throws. So now you just have to have a natural shooting motion. And if you kick your leg out or you, you, you throw your body around, we're just going to swallow the whistle or call a foul on you. It's immediately better. I feel like the NFL has to get to a place where the 20-yard underthrow is not rewarded every time. Because when you're running full speed with your guy and he slams on the brakes – you're going to run into him. There's not, it's impossible. So in the copycat league, I'm just surprised this hasn't become a play. I mean, I the, the Lamar Jackson, sure. Lamar Jackson was so bad. Uh, I mean, how bad does Baker Mayfield have to be to lose to a guy who threw the ball to the other team four times. So Lamar Jackson has one touchdown drive. Here's the drive. He underthrows Mark Andrews. I mean, 20 yards, 25 yards, Andrews has to stop and feel it like a punt. 
Of course, he gets grabbed by the defender. He catches it anyway, which is the impressive part. But it's a it's not a good throw. The quarterback didn't do anything on this play to increase the chances of his team winning the game. Then the next throw, forget slamming on the brakes. Andrew sprints from the back of the end zone to the front of the end zone to catch that floater. Uh, you know, so he throws four picks and two other terrible throws that result in a touchdown. Um, anyway, back to the Raiders. So they benefit from the horrible underthrow and, and the overtime pass interference call against the, the, the Cowboys. But I like the Raiders this week. Um, I, I, I think the Washington football team, who should have beaten the Seahawks by 28, they, they had the ball for 42 minutes. They had 27 first downs to, to the Seahawks' 10, and they could have lost that game at the death. They could have lost that game easily. And so there's there's something wrong with that with the Washington football team in terms of scoring the number of points that your total yards and first downs would dictate. So I don't know. I just think Derek Carr, he's good, man. He's good. And uh and I, I like that. he's fallen out of the MVP conversation, but if he rallies them for the final third of the season and gets them into the playoffs, given what they've gone through, I mean, you know, they didn't they they literally don't have their head coach. Their head coach has been gone for a long time now. Then the tragedy, and now they're six and five. If they get into the playoffs, this is something that needs to be honored. We've moved on. Well, listen, I, speaking uh, of losing head coaches, and I don't know, I know Spaghetti has to get to Palm Springs, although we're killing him probably with this 90-minute super true. pod. Um, yeah. But uh, so the, the, the coach missing, okay, if we get this out in time for Thursday Night Football, I love the Cowboys because the coach is missing. I mean, doesn't everybody feel more <laughs> confident in the Cowboys knowing like don't you feel like the whole team is going to get a, a bit of a confidence boost? Hey, guess who's not here? The kind of like bad decision maker, semi-leader, non-inspirational. Like I it's like McCarthy's a bummer. Like I just feel like they they'll be like guys, we can do this without him. And it's like you absolutely can do it without him. He brings nothing. We used to talk about the Ewing theory. Head coaches must uh, walk in the door after a victory. Like, hey, coach, uh, good to see you again, man. You gonna stick around? You don't have. Don't feel obliged to hang out, man. You don't. You don't got stuff. Go, yeah, go, have, a, go have an like, early lunch. So it's perfect because McCarthy won't be there, but you know who will be there? Those three wide receivers for the first time all season with with the O line. Uh, they're getting a lot of pieces back. So it's just a perfect story of like, hey, coach, we won that one for you by 30. Anyway. <laughs> by the way, very quickly, I don't know who originally said this, but I loved it, was um, PI is fixed in in the pros by a 15-yard penalty like it is in college. And then I know subjectivity will be an issue, but if it's egregious, spot of the foul. So you can't just tackle a guy if a guy's running behind you, you know, 50 yeah, like yards a flagrant, down. Like I think a that's, flagrant two. Right. I think that's I think I, I think that's a reasonable solution. You talk about Lamar Jackson. I I'm looking sillier by the week by continuing to call them fraudulent because they keep winning games, but 
They're fraudulent. They're not a great team, this Ravens team. And even Lamar Jackson, for as special as he is, four interceptions is unacceptable. If you only heard Collinsworth genuflect to him a few times, you'd be like, and then saw the stat line, you'd be like, what the hell did Collinsworth watch today? Oh, it's that really was weird. Incredible. That was incredible because, and I'm starting like, obviously I'm like, oh, right. These guys are all shills for the league, of course, that's who, you know, they're making their money based on saying this product, hey, America, don't believe your eyes. This product is good. This game is good. This this garbage game between the Ravens and Browns is hugely enjoyable. Don't believe what you're seeing. Listen to Chris Collinsworth wax on about, and he kept talking about, like, they were like, whoa, he threw that one sidearm. Yeah, do you see where the ball's going? This is not something, this is a shortstop throwing sidearm into the 11th row. Why, why are you saying, whoa, how do you defend that? Uh, he's, he's giving these guys fit. David Cloudy don't know, yeah, know, don't what, know to what, do. what to do with this Here's stuff. how you defend it. You catch it when it hits you in the chest, <laughs> when you're a defender, and he hits you in the chest. I agree, I agree. But the Steelers do not shape up as stiff competition, the rivalry I'll tell you this, the Steelers' 41 you, defense is not going to give up 41 this week. I, I mean, is that is that your sincere pick? Are you taking the Ravens minus I'm four and a half in Ravens, Pittsburgh? but they're only going to score 37. That's how bad Lamar Jackson is. He'll only put up 37 against the 41 defense of the Steelers. Uh, Real quick, we texted about it during the game, but like when, so Baker Mayfield, as you've, I think you were the first person, Check, who's like, that guy's not a good quarterback. Like you're, you're in trouble. You don't have a quarterback, Cleveland. And, and then watching that game, um, but he finally, he finally delivers the 41 yard completion and, you know, they're in the game. They're moving. You know, it's like this. You could you could pull this one out. You could certainly cover the fucking number. But anyway, so finally Baker finds the open man. 41-yard completion. We're moving. And Stefanski, Jarvis Landry takes the snap and gives the ball right back to the Ravens. He just, you're like, what's happening? Don't you want to establish a rhythm here? Like, I don't know, like after the 41-yard game, maybe you could have a little screen to Kareem Hunt. Like, no, 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 no. We got him on the ropes. We're going to go wildcat. Jarvis Landry, he's going to run around until he fumbles. And that play, it just, it reminded me of when Buddy Ryan attacked Kevin Gilbride because it was the kind of play that the defensive coordinator, who's the only thing keeping your team in this game, has got to be shitting. I got to send my unit back on the field because you fucking called this play. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So, and then, well, the pushback on that is then Bake gets the ball in a spot where if they get a field goal out of it or let alone a touchdown, but instead the ball flies up out of his hands backward. I mean, what the hell? This is a Super Bowl team. The, The one seed is always critically important in the 21st century. In the AFC, I I can't remember a scenario where it loomed as large as it does here. What team, Buffalo, New England, KC, Cincy, I don't care who you like best. What team do you think is capable of three straight wins? Given the week-to-week up and down of every one of these teams, what team down? Oh, yeah, I can see them reeling off three in a row to get to. Like, whoever gets that one seed would feel to me to have such a decided edge over everybody else. That's why New England and Buffalo is so big. By the way, I'm going to take – 
I'm not going to put money on it, obviously, but I'll take Baltimore. I'm not a, a lunatic, but I, I hope to be proven wrong. If Derek Jeter and Coach K can get farewell tours, number seven, Big Ben Roethlisberger deserves a standing ovation from now till the day he hangs it up, at least on the banks of the Three Rivers. Steelers fans better turn out and give him. You know how they, you know how they, they give out at those farewell tours, like the, the rocking chair and the cane, kind of ironically. With him, it wouldn't be ironic. Mm-hmm. It would be like, yeah, you need a cane. You can barely move. <laughs> You're very mean. That's not nice to say. He's going to the Hall Listen, of Fame. I, maybe he'll maybe he'll lose weight in retirement. Listen, maybe maybe the answer is across the hallway there, wearing blue and gold, and maybe we'll see him as soon as next year. For now, though, enjoy what you got, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And if hopefully, you, Roethlisberger and if lights are, up that bum and defense. And I will say this: if you are the seamstress in Canton. You probably want to start with like a defensive tackle sized gold jacket for for seven. It's mean spirited, senseless, mean spirited stuff out of here. I'm just I don't saying. Get it. See what I, I thought, what I say, spaghetti about even hippies are mean. You see, that's the, what I'm. Hench is a grown. Hench is an old hippie, and you hear how he talks about Big Ben Roethlisberger. It's, it's not nice. The friend. nightshades or the or the beer or the ice cream, but he's not doing the the TB12 avocado ice cream. Obviously. You know, just- now now I'm taking the Bills minus two and a half. Actually, I'm going to take the Patriots plus two and a half there. They're rolling. I don't I think Buffalo, this is a big spot for them. They have to be nervous now. Maybe they did get right to your point on Thanksgiving night. And how much do you how, which team is tracking in the better you, direction? I mean, when you're handicapping and I think you do a great job, Sheck. I mean, obviously, we were in the ZFL together forever and you just every year in, year out, you just put up a big number. But um when you're handicapping a game, uh, how, how much do you weigh in like the extra days that the Bills, you know, the Bills have just been able to drill down on this one opponent for those extra days? I not not very much. And even the numbers don't support that it's a 21st century thing anymore that like, Oh, if you have the short week of Monday night, then you only, you have a day less to prepare. Like there's no evidence or there's little evidence that supports that that really negatively impacts your team. So not, not, um, greatly. And as far as that goes, Andy Reed off the bye always wins. Now he's at home against the Broncos who are coming on here. Chiefs. I see that number nine and a half that you, Last we saw the Chiefs, I mean, for the six, eight weeks before, what would the Chiefs do when they made you, they they hammered the Raiders? That's enough for for the declaration globally. They're back. Look out. Next stop, double-digit wins against all comers, especially in Arrowhead. That feels heavy to me, but it feels weird enough that now I have to go against my instinct and take the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, by double that hands. number jumped out at me, too, and I would take I would take the points and and – you know, if you want a, a money line flyer, I, I don't know what it is about those Broncos, but man, they're getting a, they're getting a lot out of that roster. They are getting some some crazy results. I mean, they blew out the Chargers. That, that wasn't a. They're scary because they're scary. Their their pass catchers are scary, but they can hammer you on the ground. That I mean, that's a, a pretty straightforward, yeah, right? So and their so defense nine and a half is, is ridiculous. That was much. That was a field goal bigger than I thought it would be. Um, so I don't. And I mean, you know, I know that you're like, well, you go go in the direction, you know, go the opposite of what you think. But I I was like, you know, I like the Chiefs, but that number's nuts. 
There's no reason that a double digit favorite when they don't when they rarely have covered in the last two years, nine and a half. It's too weird. They're okay. going to cover okay. it. it goes against all logic. So, all right, we'll let Hench go here. We've done not to your point. Yep. One minute and 33 minutes, uh, one hour and 33 minutes. Should we cut this in half and do two parts? I don't know. I'd uh, maybe split it, release one and then it do an be NFL at least version as long later. as the Beatles documentary. Okay, well, let's let's settle in then. We want to get some supplies and really uh, hunker down here. All right, Hench is going to go. We'll talk to you on the other side of the weekend. Enjoy it, Hench. He's out. Spaghetti, let's bring it on home here. What are your best bets? I'm sorry. I was trying to pace it up here, but in doing so, ironically, now I didn't get your bets in. So give us your best bets. Qu- quickly, because we really need to wrap this. Uh, I was going to go originally with Oregon uh, plus two and a half versus Utah, reading Jeff Schwartz's tweets about him, trying to see the second time around where a stand will be better. But I'm checking out of this one. The uh, reason why I like Oklahoma State now minus four and a half versus Baylor is because uh, Baylor's quarterback, Bohan, I think is dealing with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. If he misses the game or is injured, I like Oklahoma State a lot. And I've been uh, touting them. Their defense has been great and uh, they could score some points too. I like them. So that's my pick for that. I read talked about the Iowa game like Iowa and then for NFL uh, the Vikings giving a touchdown to the Lions Lions are missing DeAndre Swift he is their only source of offense uh, I know that Jared Goff is back but the Vikings look you may not love them I know Dalvin Cook is out Alexander Madison's a fine backup their defense is good enough especially Harrison Smith in the secondary just stifle whatever passing attack the Lions are going to have and they still have the, the receiver weapons uh, I like the Vikings to win the game by a touchdown uh, easily versus a atrocious Lions team well, good times, Spaghetti. I like how after an hour and a half, all of a sudden we're talking uh, times two speed here, trying to trying to wrap it up here. So we will wrap it up there. Make sure you bet along with us. FanDuel.com slash minus three is how you do that. Once again, it's minus the word, the number three. Uh, make sure you ride with us or fade us either way and make sure you get the extra points. Dot com into the arcade to do the NFL and college football and pop culture. Pick to play against Cousin Sal on down and listen to all the great product out there on extra points buy some uh, some swag get yourself some merch you can do that at the website too um extra points uh waiver wire lemon pepper parlay megan fun of sports what am i forgetting spaghetti the what uh, the uh uh uh, uh, uh Covered in glory, extra points. Covered in glory, soccer pocket. Yeah, covered. I, mean, in, I was I was looking for covered in glory, um, and uh, I skipped over uh, against all odds too. But make sure you're checking out uh, their great work. Very funny stuff with uh, with those four guys chopping it up. I was listening to it in the car yesterday, and I was laughing out loud at it. So make sure you check that out. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of the weekend to try and make sense of what we just saw there for you. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>